On this episode of the Teacher Nerds Podcast, Joe and Ron chat with returning guest Miriam Platinsky about her new book, Lead Like a Teacher. In the book, Miriam discusses what she calls the empathy gap between administrators and teachers and provides tools to help administrators build and maintain collaborative leadership structures. During the show, Miriam shares some of her favorite tips, not just for administrators, but for teachers too. This is a great summer read for both administrators and teachers to get the new year off on the right path. Buckle up and get ready to learn with Joe and Ron. And now, let's get into the show. Have you heard about the nerds? What's the word? Teacher nerds. You can tweet them out on Twitter. You can find them on the gram. After listening to their podcast, you'd be sitting there like, bam! Trying to take the teaching from one level to the next. Reaching up to Canada and down to Mexico. Gotta go. Teaching nudes. Start the show. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Teacher Nerds Podcast. I'm Ron Nober. I'm Joe DiPaolo. And I am a technology teacher for third grade to eighth grade. And I teach fifth grade math, social studies, and science. <laughs> it's a lot, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mouthful. And we have returning guest with us today, Miriam Platinsky. Welcome back, Miriam. Hi, it's so great to be back. So Miriam was a guest on episode 77 when we talked about her book, uh, Teach More, Hover Less, and she has been extremely busy with another book out, one coming out in November, and another one, what, 2024 sometime? I mean, if we go on schedule, maybe early 2025? Early 2025, (laughs) all right, yeah. So lots coming from you. Um, So... We'll start, I guess, with our icebreaker, and we're going to be coming out in June with this episode. So we're talking this or that, ice pops or ice cream? Or that, we're playing this. Or that, playing this. Or that, on the Teacher Nerds Podcast Show. Or that, is it this? Or that, is it this? For that on the Teacher Nerds Podcast Show. And Joe, this was your this this was your idea. So why don't you jump in first and then Miriam will let you go and uh, I'll follow up. All right. I can I can see Miriam's ready and I don't think she's gonna <laughs> like my response because I'm gonna say ice pops. I'm all day long. I hey listen, when you grow up in Philly and you eat Italian ices and you come to Jersey and they don't have Italian ice around, you gotta go for an ice pop. So I would go for, <laughs> I would, hey, hey, listen, there's no right or wrong answers here. This, oh, I think there is. This is just my opinion. So I'm going to say ice pop, preferably either a flavor ice or an otter pop. That's, that's, and that's my take. Well, you should know that I think this is going to be the most controversial part of our conversation today. <laughs> um, so a couple of things just to give you some context. I schedule vacation locations based on the ice cream that they offer nearby. Um, I also make sure that we have ice cream excursions on vacation at least once a day. And I own a Ninja Creamy. (laughs) Ninja Creamy is an awesome ice cream maker and I regularly eat a pint a day. Holy smoke. Oh my (laughs) Lord. (laughs) So when you're asking this question, now I have strong feelings about ice cream. Like there are certain criteria for success to speak an education language to ensure that the ice cream meets standard. Okay. However, I like that. How's an ice cream though going to get a four on the day, on the, on the framework. They want to be highly effective as an ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> they want to be highly effective. But- so first of all, quality of ingredients, okay. you know, you're not just pouring in your extract. You're actually using your vanilla bean You're using your mint Ooh. leaves or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the richness of the flavor. And then this is big for me the size and also the volume of mixins. So they're like, so whatever's in your ice cream, I don't, I don't just do plain ice cream. I put a bunch of stuff in it. (laughs) So like I'm I'm a Reese's girl. So like there has to be like big pieces and like chocolate and brownies and just throw it all in there. And, and then if there's like a little bit of umami going on with some salt that just elevates the experience. So all these things have to be present. 
and you lose points. Like I grew up on Baskin Robbins. That's what there was in my, in my town. And as much as I have this like affection for them, their mixins are small and spaced far between. <laughs> it, it sounds like did you ever see casino the movie casino De Niro goes ago. and gets a muffin and he's upset because one muffin has more blueberries than the other so you're it's you, not okay it's you, not okay <laughs> okay yeah. that's man that's quality strong, control strong feelings and then as for ice pops i'm sorry like and i know that you have feelings i just don't see the point. It's like, no. it's like oh man, I mean, I can flavored. eat like five or six of them, and because there's like nothing it, in them. But flavor, they're flavor pops. <laughs> they're in the name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, in that case, if it's in the name. It must be true. Mm, yeah, and red and purple together. Oh, and then you get that. My kids, my kids like these. Like your tongue turns colors. <laughs> that also throws me. Any any blue food. And I have to say, when your flavors are red and purple are your flavors there's a problem right there because their color is not (laughs) (laughs) i disagree number one i disagree and number two i i would like to add blue is my least favorite flavor (laughs) (laughs) so the blue ones and the pink ones are always left last that's so strange because in my house the blue ones go like like crazy Uh, right away red Um, grape every once in a while a green is it green a lime? Is that what that is? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> How does it go red, grape, green? <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of like, you know, like when mm. you see those like uh, generic brand cookies and it's like chocolate flavored chips. Yes. yes. You're like, wait a minute. That's not actually chocolate that I'm eating. I'm eating some sort of strange like chemical. <laughs> that's what that's what to what we are referring with purple, yeah. purple flavored I, ice pops. That's fine because I was just gonna say like oh I would never eat those kind of like I I like I like fresh baked cookies <laughs> not well, store ball specifically not generic like I wouldn't be going to the dollar store or even not just the dollar store what's the other one Aldi I don't like that I don't like uh no I don't want to say I'm I like I mean, I'm, they got good German chocolates ah, in there, nah. like, there are European chocolates in there. So these are ideas for future this or that. It's like you could do grocery short store chains. You yeah. could do all kinds of things. Like, are you Trader Joe's or Aldi's? Yeah. Oh, definitely Trader Joe's. Definitely Trader Joe's. I am off topic though. <laughs> but Sorry, I no, did that. I did that. There's no good Trader Joe's around here. If I'm if I'm speaking like that, like that's it, the closest. Yeah. It's, and it's probably 45 minutes away from my house. So yeah. we go Wegmans. I guess I'm a, I'm a surprise here that mine is 100% ice cream. Like there is no if, ands, or buts about this. And Mary, I agree with you 100% in the quality of the ingredients and my favorite, all-time favorite flavor is a chocolate peanut butter cup yes. ice cream with big, thick ribbons of peanut butter running through the chocolate ice oh, cream. so good. There is so nothing... Good better than that do you guys like cold stone then too, too expensive too cheesy like i don't need just singing and beating my I, ice cream to death and then yeah they they soften your ice cream first and mm-hmm. i find that a little disconcerting yeah like i don't need you to be patting it around like that just mm-hmm. uh, and the rolls you don't like the rolls i don't like i don't mm-hmm. like cold stone we just had an ice cream cake for my son's birthday yesterday and and stacy was like should i go to carvel or should i get uh stone the cold stone cold i almost said stone cold to Boston. <laughs> and i said i'll oh, carvel all the way and I'll the take an ice cream yeah that's what i was just gonna say a fudge in the well <laughs> yeah that's not around anymore because, no, oh you know what no. i don't it was you don't go to a carvel you know they're like supermarket. in Acme's or grocery supermarket have like yeah. a carvel like oh, yes. or something yeah yeah i don't even know if they have a fudgy the whale I think they do. My husband's very fond of of his Fudgy the Whale. Yeah, Fudgy the Whale was awesome. Man, that's a, that is an old time commercial. There, the the Carvel Father's Day Fudgy the Whale commercial. <laughs> is that what that was for? Fudgy yeah. the Whale was for Father's Day. I think they did a commercial with Fudgy the Whale on Father's Day, like that was a thing. Yeah. Yeah, because if you love your dad, right, I am Fudgy, Fudgy the Whale. <laughs> it all just makes sense, you know. <laughs> I love the connection that advertisers try to make between two unconnected things. Yes. <laughs> it's really That's joyful when you think about it. 
It is. It's, it's rhetoric, which, you know, when I used to teach rhetoric, I would be like, look at all that. And that was fun to do. We're going to pause for a second to take a little break, but we'll be back in a moment. Would you like to hear your educational book, platform, or program advertised in this spot? With the Teacher Nerd Sponsorship Program, that could happen. You can be featured on the show and help us continue to bring great content to the podcast. We offer three levels of sponsorship, including commercials voiced and produced by one of the Teacher Nerds, as well as links listed on our sponsor's webpage. Visit teachernerds.com backslash sponsorship to check out some sample commercials and more information. And remember, that's nerds with a Z. And now back to the show. So jumping into the new book. Uh, so it's Lead Like a Teacher um, and all about administrator and teachers. Um, so tell us a little bit about the book. So the, the idea is that I, I explore something that, and I think I coined this, but I'm not 100% sure because I never looked this up, but I call it the empathy gap. And that is where you're looking at just a lack of understanding between two groups of people. And it's not, it's very often accidental and it's, it's not always a thing. Some schools don't have this, but more often than not, what, what occurs is that as uh, administrators leave teaching and they become farther and farther removed from the classroom, they think they have an understanding of what the job looks like, but it's changing. So they don't have as much perspective perhaps as they think they do. And at the same time, Teachers are looking at administrators thinking they know what, what, what their leaders are doing because it's just whatever's on the surface is, is what they perceive. And they also have this, this sort of warped perspective. And so the point of the book is how can we bring these, these two groups together to improve schools? And my, my big answer is that you have to incorporate teachers more into the process of making your school better. That's the, that's the road to success. And I, and I think that even is maybe even more true now than it's been, especially after COVID, because you have administrators who were administrators pre-COVID, and then during COVID, when everything's virtual, you're getting observation feedback, and you're like, you've never even been in this position in your entire life. Like, how can you give me feedback that's relevant when you've never been in a virtual classroom or done anything, you know, virtually like this. Mm -hmm. And I think even now after when we're back in the classrooms, things are so different. I would think that gap is almost getting further and further apart a little bit in, in, in schools now. I would agree with that. I think that during the virtual phase, it was almost as though leaders everywhere just eventually kind of threw in the towel and said, listen, we can't observe for instruction this way. It's not working. We're going to start penalizing people for things we shouldn't be penalizing them for. So to a lot of people's credit, they were like, I'm not sure if we understand what we're looking for in this realm. Right. And then we moved into hybrid and everyone was in masks. And that also changed the nature of instruction and the nature of how we observe. And I mean, I don't know what you're observing. To me, it doesn't instruction hasn't gone back to what it was. In 2019, there have been a lot of, of changes. The biggest one, and I talked about this a lot when I was promoting Teach More, Hover Less, um, is the teacher-led, teacher-directed classroom has made a huge comeback. And there could be different reasons for that, compliance, kids are behaving differently, that kind of thing. But as an administrator, if you're going in there and you're trying to observe for something that involves more student activity, more student independence, you have less to look at. And again, what are the reasons for that? How surgical are you being when you try to figure out what's happening? Yeah. And I, I do think it's Joe, are you sit, do you think you're saying that where it's a little bit more of the, the you know, teacher led? I know where that's what classrooms are looking like now in. No, um, not in our wing, okay. not, not in our wing. And that's, you know, just my small little world for little classrooms. Like, uh, where they're reading teachers are still pulling small groups from, you know, what it looks like and, and running that reader's workshop type model. Um, I know myself and the other math teacher are trying to run or not trying to, but, you know, running different centers. And my whole thing is I don't want it. I don't want to say my whole thing, but our program's whole thing is, you know, let them productively struggle. And if you're in front of the room, kind of giving that to them. So it is. And a lot of times it's great because the kids hate it. And there is a lot of that productive struggle. And that's what I'm seeing that 
they don't like to struggle. And when it gets hard, it is easy for them to give up. Uh, but in our hallway, I haven't seen too much of the lecturing, I guess, per se. That's, that's good. And I also wonder, because um, you talked about centers, if there's a big difference also from elementary to secondary. Yeah. Because, would... Just in the way that classes are structured as well. Well, yeah. our school is actually moving to try to give our math teachers specifically more time next year so they can run a more center base. And that would be interesting to see. I think I feel like maybe in our middle school with math or there there might be some of that a lot of teacher led because um, that that was one of the complaints, Ron. I don't know if you remember in some of those uh, while you were in the one after school meeting uh, that the math program is so hard. And mm. and they ask them to, to just struggle through it and they have to spend a lot of time teaching something because the kids can't get it on their own. So I feel like with maybe you're right, Mary, like low academics, high expectations and trying to fill that gap and definitely a lot of behavior problems. Um, right. I, and I, and I, I, yeah, go ahead. No, I would just get like not just in our school, like I feel like any teacher I talk to mm -hmm. uh, Catholic school, uh, public school, private school. There's behavior problems get, like run the gambit. Yeah, that's one universal thing I've heard. Because yeah, you're right. In different schools with different philosophies and approaches, you'll see instructional norms shift. Um, but yeah, the behavior thing. And and if you think about the role that, that puts administrators into, also, that really increases the job to uh, from from being an instructional leader to being a disciplinarian. And that's not where I mean when I talk to school leaders, that's not what they want to be doing. That's not where their passion is. But with the behavior comes that need and that, that really just pulls them in directions they don't want to be pulled in. And I'm wondering if like some of the <clears throat> the push more to that teacher driven classroom is because with standardized testing, there is such lower, you know, the lower scores based on, you know, the pandemic. And now people are trying to really push those scores back. And the best way they know how is. I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to kind of pound it into you. And that's, you know, that's what really anybody knows because Joe, like you were saying to allow someone to have that like productive struggle and you're just sitting there thinking this is time, this is eating up time and I have to get to this and I have to get to this to, to allow you to struggle in a center or in a student led activity. You're just watching the clock tick thinking, but I have to holy smokes is getting worse. Yeah. This is this is going to get worse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I can see the reasoning for it, but I don't know if it's the it's not the best approach. It's it's not best practice from what we know. Well, it's perception versus reality, right? Yeah. You as the teacher, you've moved on. You're pacing as you've been told to pace, but you're not inside the kid's head as much knowing whether or not they've really got it. So you think you're saving time, but you might be going back to reteach in a couple of weeks. It's that kind of thing. So you talked about like having that empathy gap as like your almost like your, I guess, light bulb for this, you know, this book. Um, what were some of the other things that, you know, kind of made you want to write this book? So there were a couple of things. I mean, like I, I had a personal interaction with someone where I had gone from a job that was primarily teaching to a job that was uh, primarily leading. And I remember someone said to me, Oh, we've lost you to an office. <laughs> and it was it was obvious, like, you know, it's not, no, no one wants to hear something like that. It, it was hurtful because it's not how I perceived my job at the time. I was never in my office. I was running around. I was putting out fires. I was doing all sorts of things. And I was thinking, do people ever really know what anybody else is doing in a building? We all appear to be doing certain things, but how do those surface level impressions really reflect reality? So that was... That was one thing. And then I had a job in which I would go and work with administration teams all over the place. And there were patterns that started to emerge. And one of the biggest ones was that when I was in a more functional, more um, sort of together, for lack of a better word, school space, and we would meet to talk about school improvement or professional development or what have you, there was at least one teacher at that table being part of the conversation. And then in the majority of places where I would go, we would go into the conference room in the main office and close the door and talk about what teachers needed to know. And there was no teacher at the table. And it always kind of got to me because I've always, you know, I, I've been 
um, I've, I've had many, many hats in education, but at my core, I've, I've always very much felt like a teacher advocate and very comfortable in the instructional realm above all. And I remember thinking how, first of all, not just how disrespectful, but how strange it is that you're trying to figure out what people need and you're not asking them and they're not here. And, and they're experts in a lot of the things that you're talking about all over the place within these hallways. We just need to find them. And so there was this assumption that teachers couldn't do that work. And it, after like over a, a long period of time, as I saw this happen repeatedly, I thought, you know, why, why are we running schools this way? Why are they not part of the dialogue? It's interesting because I was, I was just, as you were saying that, I was thinking, imagine if a hospital functioned in that way where you had the hospital administrator who was not necessarily a doctor. They were kind of from the business world talking about how we're going to treat patients and never drawing input from the medical professionals, right? Who, who see patients on a daily basis, can diagnose, can, you know, do surgery, can all those, it would never function. It, like it would, and it would never happen. But yeah, in school, I, it's routine. It, it's I, a great analogy too, to medicine, because we, there are places where we could learn from that particular field. Yeah. I, I almost feel like as an administrator, like uh, you've, you've been in that role, right? And as a teacher, you've never been in that role as the administrator. So I would almost feel like an administrator would have to be really comfortable with who they are to start to invite the stakeholders in to say, well, what do you think? Or what would you do? Because then it's all of a sudden, it's not your ideas anymore. And not that it always, not that it always has to be about your ideas, but I feel like an administrator might be like, well, I've been given this job. It's my job to run the school. So I just, I just not, not to play devil's advocate, but I feel like the administrator would have to be very comfortable with who they are to be able to, to be accepting of other people's ideas. But I guess that's what a good leader yeah. Does. <laughs> Good leaders are secure. Yeah. In, and, you know, and they're also not afraid to hear dissenting voices. Um, it, it's really interesting because uh, the analogy of a bus occurs early in this book where Maya Daughtery, she wrote one of the two forewords, and she also has some little sound bites throughout the book. She says that the challenge is that even though we're on the same bus, we're all looking out of different windows. It's the same landscape, but with different perspectives. And so the bus driver's job is to make it all fit together. Hmm. And, you know, maybe it's the principal's bus. But the truth is, it's not really. The principal is facilitating a giant city of people and making it all work together. And, and there is that responsibility, certainly, and that I don't think is any fun to have, you know, to have an entire the entire weight of a school on your shoulders. But does that mean that you make the decisions, that you're the one who guides the mission and the vision and, and, and the professional learning? I don't know if that's what it means. I think I... I I'm in the midst of taking classes for a supervisor certification. And one of the things I found unbelievably eye-opening was having to get some hours in doing administrative tasks or just working with administrators. Um, and I, I think it would be beneficial to everyone in a school for whether it's, you know, twice a year, or whatever it is for a teacher to just follow in the shoes of an administrator for a day, just here and there and, and vice versa. I mean, you know, teachers come or administrators come in and observe, but to come in and say, you know what, I'm going to teach a lesson today. I want you to observe me teaching the lesson. Um, or, and teachers again, like being able to go and observe other teachers. Have you ever observed, have, I've had like with a student teacher, I've had to do observations. I think, I think it's very hard to sit there and critique and. Yeah. Oh, I had to do it this year for a class. Mm -hmm. I had to do an observation and yeah. it was because you are, you're, you're looking at it. And again, you're trying to script everything that's going on. And that I said, it's like being a court stenographer who not only has to take down <laughs> all of the, all of the dialogue, but everybody's reactions and facial expressions and are they engaged are they not engaged are the students what does the teacher do you can't po possibly do it you know a hundred percent yeah it's a learned skill i mean i remember when i first started doing 
the whole scripting and the observations and I didn't know. And then over time, you know, you start to come up with your own shorthand, you come up with your own methods for doing it. It's not easy and you miss a lot. And I think you have to approach it with the spirit of I've missed a lot, fill in the gaps for me, please, that I did not see or that I didn't know about the contextual pieces. That's a really important part of having that post-observation conference. But I agree with you about like being in other people's shoes, you know, both administrators teaching classes, and also, I mean, when I did my administration internship, <laughs> there was a day I was supposed to shadow somebody and instead of shadowing them, they were absent. So I was them. And in that day, let's see, there was a sexual harassment case that came up that I was completely unsure of how to handle. And <laughs> it was really scary because I had to figure out how to do things correctly. Um, there was also, um, I was given instructions to climb on top of the building and inspect the drains because <laughs> to make sure... <laughs> winter was there and sometimes they got stuck with the leaves and the building would leak. And I was just, I was looking at this to-do list thinking, really? So yeah, I got on the roof. Oh God. And looked at the drains, very kind building service person showed me what to do. Came back down at the end of the day, I debriefed with one of the school leaders who said, you know, you weren't really insured to go up there. (laughs) I was like, well, that would have been good to know before I climbed up in the rain and snow and ice. So yeah, it's eye-opening, isn't it? It is, and the just like that, the number of hats that you have to wear, and not only wear, but flip off and on, like flipping a light switch. Yeah. You know, like you can have a day planned out, and nothing happens that you had planned out the entire day because an HIV incident happens, or you know, like that, a sexual harassment thing happens or what it, it's just, it's mind boggling. And, and I think if teachers sometimes just got that little taste, it just gives you a whole different perspective of maybe we can give a break sometimes because you have no idea what's going on. Well, and that's the thing. It's like a constant putting out of fires and, and pretty much every administrator I've ever talked to has said, I wanted to be in the classroom. I wanted right. to observe you today, but mm-hmm. then seven fights broke out and I was the only person on duty and here's how it goes down. So they don't have a choice. Good, Joe. No, I, I was laughing at you, Ron. Oh. <laughs> Cause you're like, I uh. just, well, I was, I was just, <laughs> it's crazy like, to think about it's, we love having these conversations <laughs> cause it's a different window. And it's like, we're, we're hearing the conversations we're looking out our window going, yep, <laughs> yep. It's like you got front row seats to it. And you- well, and it is kind of like once you see how it's all done, even if you don't love it, it's hard to step away from that. You know, yeah. so it, it, it's difficult to go into school leadership and then to contemplate going out of school leadership. Because like, but I'm privy to things, even, you know, it, it's helpful. Well, and that, I mean, honestly, I'm... Um- I need four classes for a supervisor certification and I've taken two and I was scheduled to take one and I put it off because I, I'm, I'm just like, I, I really have to start and sit and think of what is it that I love. And I love my interaction with the kids more than anything. And I'm like, so what am I putting the time like, am I really going to go do this? And if I go and step into it, I don't know of too many people who step back into teaching after they've jumped into administration. I will say, and this was kind of my spirit when I got my own certification, it's good to have options. When you get your admin or supervisory cert, you're not necessarily saying I'm going to leave and become a principal. What you're saying is, I'd like to have options for the future should they arise, and 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 it requires this particular qualification. Right. So I kind of look at it like that. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's because I, I just I felt like, and this actually kind of moves into part of the book. Like you, there was a part where you talk about um, like coaching, instructional coaching, and it really hit home with me for where I am now because I get pretty good observations. I'm always effective or highly effective. And I'm, this is my 11th year teaching, like seventh year in the same position. And I'm, I'm feeling like antsy and stagnant 
or or some there's something missing and i you know that's why i looked at the admin and or the supervisor certification and then thinking of what you're putting in the book about coaching like the teachers who are doing well it's kind of like this glanced over we're like i almost would like some coaching mm-hmm. you know somebody to come in and give me some pointers because i know yeah my classroom may run well and i may do well but I know I can do better. There's things that I could do better, or I would like to learn more about to make me better. But I, I, that opportunity seems so foreign in well, school. You know, and we're missing our biggest resource with instructional coaching, which is teachers. Like we make this assumption that the people who should be coaching teachers are administrators. And I'm not saying they don't make good coaches. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But we have experienced teachers or teachers who have specific skill sets who can help one another and and we're not doing that enough well, i even feel like with pd our pd is is geared towards curriculum and learning this or learning that but not necessarily geared towards being a better teacher and i feel like between our podcasts and i don't want to say social media but like being on twitter and posts on twitter i feel like in the past couple of years that's where a lot of i feel like my best professional development came from where well yeah you know, years ago, I guess as a novice teacher, I felt like I was able to leave those workshops and do something the next day, like a school provided workshop. And it, it hasn't been that way in a, in quite a while. I want to say definitely post pandemic, but maybe even pre pandemic where like professional development was, this is how we're going to do our PDPs or our SGOs. And I don't know if it's like that everywhere. No knock on our school because we got to get PDPs and SGOs done. But as far as professional development goes. Yeah. Well, that, and I think that goes to like what you were saying, Miriam, like you, you may have some of the best resources, let other teachers lead professional developments, almost like an egg camp style, right? Like let those be some of your professional developments. And a lot of times they, you know, they'll look for volunteers and I don't want to, you know, present to my own peers. You know, people feel awkward presenting to their own peers. But if you give some incentives even for that, it doesn't even have to be monetary incentives. You know what I mean? It, it could be somebody's going to come in and give you an extra prep or you're going to get lesson plan pass if you present. Like those little things might entice people to present. And you may have some of your, like you said, your best resources right under your own roof to help the other teachers. Yeah, I mean, the most common form of professional development, we, we know this is the teacher down the hall. We learn from each other and that can be really great or it can be not as great depending on, on who that teacher happens to be. But the idea is that you can, you can really streamline some of it. Like one thing I used to do when I was the head of a department is when we had our monthly department meeting, about a third of it was devoted to someone just sharing some, something cool they did the previous month. It's like, what, what have you been up to? And, and that was always everyone's favorite part of the meeting. Cause it's like, I tried this last week. Here's what happened. And then everyone would be like, Oh, cool. I'm going to try that too. It was just practical. Right. I, or, or it's just the inspiration of, Oh, wow. That's something, you know, different. Like j- just that in and of itself, like the inspiration part is, a, is enough sometimes, or it lets you know, this didn't work very well. <laughs> you know, it's not even that you have to walk away with something that you can try, but it's something that, you know, all right, that's not going to work. And you know, for me at this point. Um, yeah. yeah. And that's what I tell when I, I teach teachers at night and I say to them, try this strategy. It doesn't matter if it works. <laughs> what matters is that you tried it, you can reflect on it and then build on whatever it was you were trying to do and do it a different way. Well, I remember you saying that in the, on our last episode with teach more, hover less, like, just give it a try, like try one thing to, to hover less and, um, you know, allow the students to take over a little bit more ownership. Um, you know, and again, like this time of year, it's the perfect time for it. It's Mm -hmm. the end of the year. Yeah. There's no, no real risk. (laughs) Well, you know, it's standardized testing season. Administrators are also tired. They're trying to plan that May staff meeting and they're thinking nobody's going to want to come to this and do whatever I have planned. And they're right. Yes, they are right. (laughs) 
I'm not going to lie about right. that, but right. I will also say this would be a great time to be like, anybody want to show us something real? like now's a great time right. for inspiration. Right. Yep. hundred <laughs> percent. Cause we don't have any. <laughs> or you, here's what they should do. Listen, guys, we're here till four 15. We can go four o'clock. If we can get two people to come up here and tell me something cool, they did go. Right. And then you sit there and wait. You want to wait till four fifteen, or you want to leave at four o'clock? You better get to. It's like same thing you do with the kids. Same see, this is the problem. I, I I go on about this. I forget in which chapter, but I, I got it from Joe McCormick, who wrote a couple of really good books. One's called Noise, and one's called Brief. And I think it's um, I forget which one, but he writes about something called meeting villains, like the things that we do in meetings, just yes. as a matter of course that we shouldn't do. And one of them is our meetings are at the same time for the same length, and we fill the schedule. Why do we do that if we don't have anything to say? Like that, that's kind of, you know, and, and there's this idea also, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. It's kind of like the parallel to the teach bell to bell. Maybe instead of teaching bell to bell, which is like what you think of as overpacking your period and making sure there's no room for inquiry or exploration. Maybe you should get rid of that mindset. And again, use that time to learn more from, from your kids. And then also for anyone planning a teacher meeting, what would teachers really appreciate doing with this time? And if we don't have anything to do with it, maybe it's the gift of time and have a great, have a great afternoon. And I'm not saying cancel all your meetings, but also it could be a 20 minute meeting instead of a 60 right. minute meeting. Right. And we, I have to say our, our administrators have done that a few times this year where they've, you know, set out PD meetings, you know, go home, enjoy, or have some time in your classroom to get done what you need to get done. Um, but then, you also have then you know them saying spend some time in your classroom enjoy that time and they have people going oh i can't believe they got nothing planned for us <laughs> that's true you cannot win right like this, that. I mean. yes you cannot um there there you're never gonna make it that that whole adage of you all the people happy some of the time but not, never all the people all the time right but you know that's when you start pulling in you know, some of some of your most difficult people, the people who say, I wanted to have a meeting, you've got nothing for me, I'm so annoyed. What should we meet about? Come plan with me. What are we missing? What are the missing pieces? You pull them into the process, not because you're being disingenuous, but because you really want to know. Like, yeah, obviously, that, I'm not giving you something. What do you want? Right. And I, I that was one of the pieces in the book that that hit with me too. Like, what a great idea to work with one or two staff members or a grade level or a department to as the administrator to plan this PD coming up or this just this staff meeting. You know, like, because then you're getting all different perspectives from a number of different people. And like you said, you're not going to make everybody happy, but at least it's, it's, it's varied. Right. And at least there's variety to the meetings that you're having. Well, and it's not that stand and deliver. I've noticed this too. You know, people say, oh, you know, you should teach your classes in all these different innovative ways, but they're telling you that while standing in front of a PowerPoint <laughs> and, and reading from the slide in the most unengaging way possible. So also, if you're not sure how to model what you're trying to share, then get someone to help you who does a really good job with that. Well said. Yes. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> I don't want you getting in trouble, Joe. Don't yeah, me yeah. either. <laughs> and I, I, chapter seven, you're, you're that you were talking about uh, servant leadership, and I think that was again like one of those eye-opening things from when I did classes this fall, and then reading that, I was like, yeah, this fits into everything that I was just, you know, they were just working with us on in classes, and I think Joe, you know you look at the definition of servant leader. Uh, I don't know, Miriam, if you know, Glenn Robbins, he's a, do you know, Glenn? I have heard the name. No, <laughs> he's, he's from Brigantine, uh, New Jersey, and he's a superintendent there and it, it, like servant to his staff. Like you'll see him out cutting the lawn, you know, at the school, you'll see him cafeteria. in the cafeteria serving food. You will see like he is, I don't know if the man is ever in his office, you know, at, at the holidays, he was dressed in a display case <laughs> in the school as the elf on the shelf. 
Like, I, I mean. Yeah, I know a principal who sat on the roof doing that. And I okay, remember yeah. thinking, oh, my God, get down. <laughs> um, Cute, though. But, yeah, but it engages the staff, the kids, everybody. Mm-hmm. And it just shows you're willing to roll up your sleeves and just do whatever you would ask anybody else to do. Well, it's fascinating because when I when I transitioned into into a leadership position, uh, one of my mentors said to me, your job is to make sure they have everything they need. And I was thinking about that and I was like, okay, I'm going to put an absurd amount of energy into provisioning and into checking to make sure that on any given day, no one is without what they need, whether it's, you know, technology being functional or they just need a, their, their favorite purple pens. And it, it, it's these little tiny things and you're running around. It's true. You're never in your office. You're running around from place to place, giving people stuff because leadership is not this elevated, important thing that people envision. Really your needs are subordinate to everybody else's. When you're a leader, you're trying to make sure that teachers can do their jobs. So the students learn. Yeah. I mean, it- <laughs> yeah, that's really it. If you're stuck in an office, being very important. I don't know if you can do that. Well, it's, it, you lose touch very quickly then, yeah. right? With, with anything that that's going on. And then what you're doing is cleaning up messes rather than having them prevent it. Well, there's this lack of visibility too, you know, it's, it's, um, you can tell when you talk to kids about their principle, whether or not they say good things or, or otherwise has a lot to do with whether or not they ever see this person. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've, I have been in schools where the principal is invisible, all but invisible, always away at meetings, always behind a closed door. And then other ones where the principal's in it, doing things constantly, kids love them, kids have awesome things to say about them. So it's this huge range of behavior. But I think a big piece of it is, is moving yourself into a hallway on a frequent basis. And it, it's probably really challenging for a lot of principals because they've got so much to be doing in their offices. They're completely buried in work and they have deadlines and board meetings and you know they have to go to hearings and do all sorts of scary things that no one has any idea of and run a school. Right. I mean, do you think it's it's a matter of, I mean, this is like a big question, but like education in general, there almost needs to be, I mean, I don't want to say more administration, but like another level of administration. Like there there are there's the level that of people who should be handling like the business end and then the people end. Yeah, and I, I get what you're saying. I don't know what it would look like. So, for example, in my state, um, there's this new education law that's going into effect. And at the moment, it dates by 2024. Assistant principals should teach 20% of their day. Oh, so they want them to no. go into classrooms for 20% of the day. And my big question is, where is that 20% of the work they're currently doing going? Right. Who's doing that? Are they still doing it? Because then they're having an extra 20%. They're working 120% and they're already working like 17,000% as it is. Right. So who's doing that work? So that sort of speaks to your question, Ron, because it's like there are things that administrators have to do and things that maybe somebody else could do. And that's actually part of the spirit of this book. You've got people like you who are doing admin programs or supervisor programs who could do some of this work and learn. I spoke to this amazing elementary school principal a few years ago and I was doing an article for Edutopia. She teaches two classes a day, not negotiable. And the way that she does it is that she has teacher interns that she trains and works with from the beginning of the year who are doing admin so that they can handle things while she's in the classroom and that's her secret time. She's worked out a whole system, but it took a lot of time and a lot of trial and effort and, and all that. And yes, that's normal, but yeah, the work has to go somewhere. Yeah, and that that just seems like one of those mandates that somebody who's never been in a classroom or in education whatsoever has decided this is a great idea. And yeah, on paper, <laughs> yeah, it, it would be fantastic to have an administrator teaching. And my question would be, why is it just the vice principal? <laughs> like, right? Like, but yeah, yeah. You know, and I mean, I agree with you. Like, from ideologically, it's great. Go back into a classroom, right? But. <laughs> Right. It's on the, yeah. The reality is, like you said, they're working 150% anyway. Now you're at, you know, 170%, you know, yeah. 
it, it's just not a possible thing. Right. What 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 do they teach? What's the lady you know? Well, like, does she teach something different each day, or no, is it a specific class? It's a specific class. I think it was a second grade class when I spoke to her. She teaches a second grade class, and she does the morning block with them every single day. She's in an elementary school in Maryland, and uh, in a district. Um, I forget what district she's in, but uh, I read about her in Education Week, and I had to talk to her because I, you know, she was so like, oh yeah, of course it works. And whenever I've talked to principals <laughs> who have done this, they say it can work, but it's complicated. Like the other forward writer in this book, David Monteleone, he taught one class when he was the principal of a high school that had like almost 3000 kids. So that's a much more different proposition. And I think for him, it's, it's more complicated because you've got so many more people moving through your building and so many more possible emergencies. And I would think a high school versus an elementary school is a different proposition. The, 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 the issues that you may pop up in high school are going to be drastically different than elementary school, even middle school to elementary school. Yeah. Now he also said it gave him amazing perspective because kids had changed so much. Right. And everything had changed so much that he needed to do that. But, and he found a way. But it's 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 definitely you, you can't go up to an administrator and say, make it work. You have to change the structure, because I think one thing that if we all just step back and agree on is that everybody in the school is working really hard. Yes. We don't need to compete for who's working harder than anybody else. But we also have to respect the fact that there are limitations to every person's job in terms of what they can achieve in a day. Yeah. And that everybody has a family outside, you know, is just... <laughs> No, we don't. <laughs> we sleep there. Yeah. <laughs> like when you see the kids in, like you know, I'll see the kids in Walmart. You you would think when they see you that they are like shocked that you're not even in the school building at this moment. <laughs> so. My kids are always so they don't know what to do. I remember I ran into a kid once, and it was like a Saturday night, and he was like, "What are you doing out here? It's late." And I was like, "I'm." Not over 21 and you're not what are you doing here <laughs> I would imagine, yeah i would imagine even high school would be even more interesting seeing where you might see people and well this was years and years ago but my, my brother was doing club promoting in dc and there was this really hot club and i walk in and i see two of my students in the corner and i was just like get out get out get out get out <laughs> do not come back in here Kick them out the club. I'm like, I'm getting the bouncer and you're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> you ruined their opportunity. <laughs> I did. And you know what? That night, Wesley Snipes may have shown up. <laughs> True story. <laughs> Way to go. They they remember you. <laughs> so fondly. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, so, I digress. Yeah. Um, so would you... We know this book, you know, is obviously for administrators to read to help them out. Would you say it's for teachers to also give a read as well? I would say yes. Uh, you, first of all, uh, throughout the book, there are sound bites from leaders and from teachers. I want to provide that dual perspective. So it's, it's really written for, for both. If you are a teacher who is interested in what happens in leadership and what that looks like and what you might have to think about when you're a leader, it's especially for you. Um, you know, it's, it's, it really gets into all the different pieces. And the first half of the book is, is what I call the micro half, where we talk about hiring and coaching and observation and evaluation. Those chapters are especially useful for teachers because very often, and this is not ideal leadership, teachers don't know what leaders are looking for mm. when they teach. And so this helps provide a little window into that. And I've written a lot of scenarios throughout the book. It's very narrative in nature. Yep. Now, all the scenarios are these people never really existed, but they're built on endless conversations and over the years that I've heard that occur in these spaces. And so it's, it's informative in that way for teachers too. And I have to say, I like that aspect of the book, the, you know, the, the little narrative and then breaking it down. It, it, was, it was just a good back and forth throughout the book where it didn't get I don't want to say boring, but like it, it can get very dry. Too wordy. Right? Too wordy. You can say boring. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm a nonfiction writer who doesn't really enjoy nonfiction so much. Um, <laughs> and I think I think this is like my fiction writer trying to get out. I've been doing this like ever 
it started with Lead Like a Teacher, and then I, I've done it with every book I've been writing since, where I use these examples to uh, really make sense of the tools and the strategies. And also, yes, to take a break from the research shows that, because yeah. Yeah. that only gets you so far. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it keeps you, again, it's right. everything's about engagement. It keeps you engaged in the learning because you're, you're so. getting that break in there. Um, so if, if going through the book, if you had an administrator, there were three of like your top takeaways that you, you would want an administrator to leave the book with. What okay, so I think the, could be? Uh, the first would be, I said that, so with my first book, I said to teachers, my big advice was talk less. And I think, I think I'm going to apply the same advice here. You need to listen to what people are telling you. We think we're listening, but we're really letting our little monologue go on in our head, especially with leaders. It's like, I've been paid to make decisions, so I'm going to make this decision. And what this person's saying to me is not really that, that big a deal. I'm going to look like I'm listening, and then I'm going to move forward. Actually, listen, people can tell the difference. They know when you're not genuine in your responses for feedback, so be genuine. So that's that, the that first thing. Um, do not surround yourself with people like you. No yes people. So it will be less comfortable. Your life will have a little bit more friction in it, but your school will probably be a better place because if we surround ourselves with people who are just like us, we have no perspective and that doesn't make for a stronger, a stronger place to work. Um, that kind of has to go hand in hand though with number one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. These are all related. I don't know. Maybe I just, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and then the third one, and I think it's going to be the same for, um, I, would, I would say this, to anybody is when you read this book, you don't have to change everything right away. <laughs> pick one chapter that speaks to you in your practice, pick one tool within one of the chapters, experiment with it, see where it goes. Because one thread that I found to be consistent whenever I work with, with people who want to change is they have a whole big list of stuff they want to do and they're really fired up. And the first thing I say is pick one, pick one thing. You can't do all this, maybe not ever, but we got to start somewhere. So pick the one thing and figure out what it is. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm definitely somebody who's guilty of that. I am like, you know, I'm going to change my entire curriculum and, yeah. and it just, it's exhausting and you feel almost constantly defeated because it just, it's never going to go as planned. Um, so like, I always try, if I'm going to change something now, I try and do like, all right, I'm going to change one project in one grade level or you know i'm gonna just one thing because it, it, you constantly feel feel beat up with that yeah absolutely joe did you have something yeah it's I'm ready to say something new year three new curriculums i <laughs> <laughs> that's a recipe for success holy smoke <laughs> wait and a new grade level I remember that you moved, you moved, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. That's mm -hmm. why I became go with the flow Joe this year. And you had, I just, whatever came at me, just ride with it. Cause there's I that famous, tell. well, there's a famous, I forget who was talking. I think it's like a video with Tom Hanks. I wish I, I knew when I was younger, this too shall pass, whether it's good times, whether it's bad times, like, you know, whether things are tough, whether things are difficult, whether things are easy, like you're going to get through it. And then things are going to change. So the only this, way out is through. Yep. Well, right. Like <laughs> I'm not going to avoid nature, everything. That's, I'm just, that's, that's, just, just going to yeah, get through yeah. it. I, I told myself that when my kids were babies. <laughs> someday. Someday. <laughs> I don't think I believed it though. I was like, they're going to scream nonstop for the rest of my life. <laughs> 42. They'll be in the bedroom screen. <laughs> I think they still are though. I mean, they're teenage, but there's, there's lots of screaming. <laughs> it's different screaming now though i like, know yeah. i know and it's coming from inside of me <laughs> all right so now flip side if you had teachers reading this book three takeaways that you would want a teacher to have walking away from this book with i think the first is check your assumptions you know, the job that administrators do is not what it looks like on the surface. So, you know, we said this a lot during the pandemic, have grace, be kind, but really like, don't assume that you get it. 
until you've actually had the opportunity to spend some time in that milieu for like about like do the shadow thing, like be be a little bit more aware or or just reserve your judgment because the truth is you don't know. Um, I think also just along the same day, know that they are working really hard, especially your high school administrators. They have athletic games and night events to go to. They don't see their families sometimes for like weeks at a time. So it's a tough job. Like understand that they are always there and that they are not projecting that on you because they don't want you to hold that burden. They want you to be able to do your job. And that's the spirit of servant leadership. And then my big thing is if you're not satisfied with how your school is functioning or operating, maybe try to do a little bit more. Yeah, you could sit there in every meeting grading papers and uh, looking at your phone. You can do that. And sometimes maybe that's deserved. I don't know. Or you could go to the most trusted leader and, and offer to do something or to help or come up with ideas or change the environment around you for good. Because I think that, yes, it's true. Maybe no one's asking you, but if you offered to help, they would probably not say no. That's just a thought. Yeah, that's, Unless you're I, in a really bad place, in which case leave. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that, that does happen, right? I mean, that, that the reality is that there are places that are probably not going to change and you're, you may be happier somewhere else and, you know, maybe yeah. take that risk. I mean, if you're dealing with like an actively malicious leadership, then there's really nothing you can do, but that's usually not what's happening. Yeah. I, I, and I think I, I've, it's hard. The, like you said, that taking that perspective part, I mean, I've, I've really tried <laughs> since taking the classes and doing some shadowing, but yeah, I mean, it, it those other thoughts creep in and, and you, you have to have to actively kind of take a step back at times and say, all right, the, what I'm seeing is not what's going on. You know, the, my observation not getting back to me in a timely fashion. It's not because they didn't want to, or they didn't care, or it was 15 other things popped up along the way. Um, that, you know, that perspective taking is definitely helpful. So the next book coming out. Oh yeah. What, what is it about? <laughs> uh, it's actually, it's, it's my favorite so far. I mean, I'm being very Wait, honest. You right? can't have a favorite? No, I can because I wrote them. I made them. <laughs> <laughs> I can have a favorite. So Lean Like a Teacher was like, I think I wrote about this in the, in the first part of the book. It was really uncomfortable for me because, you know, it, it involved this back and forth into perspectives that, that I hadn't sat in some of the time. And so I had a lot of imposter syndrome while I was writing Lead Like a Teacher, and it was a struggle. My next book, um, Writing Their Future Selves, is about how you build student identity beyond the classroom. And like the whole idea behind it is we talk about building student rapport and relationships and that's important, but we too often fail to help students really believe in themselves as learners, as thinkers, as scholars. So here's how we do it. Here's how we use writing to do it. And I have teacher contributors for cross content areas. So I've got lesson plans for physics and PE and music in this book coming up where it's like, this is how I use this medium to extend kids' sense of themselves and to make them feel confident about what they're doing. So it's, it's um, I don't know, I, it's flowed out of me. I, I, I usually, when I write, it's a little bit of a struggle. This book feels a lot more me, so I'm excited. And we could be looking for that? November 7th. November 7th, 2020. Not that I memorized that date. But. Yes. <laughs> uh, and can be found on like Amazon and all that. Just Everywhere like books are sold. It's already up for pre-order on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and even Walmart. Oh, wow. Nice. Walmart where they really enjoy quality PD. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you never know. They, it may be the next PD that we get is a Walmart you know, brand it by Walmart or something. Well, if you think about it, you can order your flavor pops and your yes. education <laughs> books at the same time and just have a great summer. Why are we crapping on flavor pops? Flavor I'm not. Why I'm would not. These... If I was crapping on flavor pops, I was crapping on my own book. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not a good PR move. Uh, oh God, I'm going to get like, this is going to air and I'm going to get a phone call from a publisher. What are you doing? <laughs> Listen. I, my, we had PD before at my first school, each faculty meeting, we were reading books. Like you read a chapter of the book and people were supposed to 
present on specific chapters? How could you use it in the classroom? And you got professional development points at your faculty meeting. Like, I forget what the book was called. I can tell it made a deep impression on you. Ah, I, I enjoyed it, though. I enjoyed it because I felt like I got something out of it. It was it was all it was Lucy. I think it was a Lucy Calkins book. And I know a lot of people don't like Lucy. I kind of liked Lucy and being like a new teacher. Maybe that's why I was getting that. You know, I got a lot out of it. But I feel like you should have some choice in PD and mm-hmm. whether it's whether it's. <laughs> yeah, unless think, unless you're. Yeah. Unless you what? choose to all read my book, then you should have some choice. <laughs> <laughs> Any district that wants to just read. Take it. Yes. Just read my book. You can order thousands of copies. But if you're not doing that, other than that, teachers should have choice. <laughs> well, we we all had the same book. We all had the same Lucy book. And I feel like that's okay. But maybe if you want to give someone choice, because not everyone's a reading specialist, you know, like our poor nurses have to sit through everyone's PD. Like, Gosh, yeah. and, right. and it's, and, you know, Rob talks about, him getting coached, Ron, Ron's the guy that kind of shows everyone at our school what's new and what's exciting and how to do things. So the one person I feel that needs a good coach or does at least is deserving of it is is Ron. I appreciate that. But, you know, well, mm-hmm. but but no one asked my opinion, Ron. So, you know. <laughs> but maybe you have to give it to them. That, that was lesson number three, right? Offer to help yes, you I when know, but asks you. It's funny because when I was listening – you know, and I'm like, I feel like I just told a parent today, I've just learned to not say exactly what I'm thinking and not tell people my opinion and just to hold it and mm. not, not, in, not because I know you don't internalize because that's going to eat you up, but just to not, I don't know, to kind of to hold my opinions because everyone's got an opinion and opinion. We, we know that we know the, know the rest of that. <laughs> Don't act like an emotion or an anger. That's always a bad idea. But if you've been thinking about something and you've been letting it marinate and you've messaged it appropriately, it should be okay to express yourself. Yeah. Well, I think sometimes if you can come with an opinion about something and have like a solution oriented conversation about it, that's best. But if you're just bringing a problem and dropping it as your opinion, like there's already enough on the plate. You know, yeah. so well, that's what we call admiring the problem. <laughs> okay. And we do like to do that because it's fun. Yeah. It is fun to sit in our problems, but at some point you got to stop whining and do something or, you know, as I said, move on. Yeah. You got to figure out what, what's going to work. But education's <laughs> one big giant problem a lot of the time. It feels that way. And that's definitely how it's presented in our media. Thank you, media. Yes. Yeah. That's a different topic. <laughs> Hey, look, there's book number five. Number five. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Education to... as seen through the media's eyes. Bum, bum, yeah. bum. I, don't think I, I don't think I want to go into that dark place. No. Oh. <laughs> but if you, need... if you have any teacher friends who want to contribute to number four, I'm, I have a Google form. Okay. Uh, we can put it in our, our wakelet if you want. Uh, no, if you I, want will, I will it. send it to you. It's all about like, what are like these teeny tiny things that you do in teaching that have these huge impact or have big results? Mm. Okay. Kind of like an atomic habits for teaching, if you will. Oh, very cool. All right. And that's, we're talking early 2025. Yeah. Like I would say, or like if we're very lucky late 2024, but probably more early 2025. I don't know. This is, this is a new, a new new house that I'm working with. So I don't know how fast they go, but they're pretty awesome. So I'm excited. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, ASCD is pretty well known. So like, that's good stuff. Yeah. 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 I went to their conference. It was a party. Yeah. Are you not happening to go to ISTE in Philadelphia, are you? Oh, man, I wish I were because it's not that far away, is it? But um, ASCD and ISTE just merged, so I probably will be in the future. Oh, oh nice. Nice. Yeah, I'm going are, to Philadelphia. So. Oh, you are. That's coming up in June? Yep. Yeah. All right. School finally paid for it, which was nice. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. That's the goal. Get paid yep. for doing what you love. Yep. That's absolutely. it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, well, thank you for uh for joining us where can people find you social media wise website so although i have mixed feelings about it i am most active on twitter um <laughs> yes. where, yeah i don't i don't, don't want to be on twitter anymore but i don't see a better alternative um it's at mirplo mcps 
and I'm very responsive there. And then I have a website, my first and last name, miriamplotinsky.com. There's a contact form on there, um, or if you can also look at PD stuff that I can help you with, that's also an option on the site. Whatever works. Um, and I believe my first podcast with you is also on my site. It is. I saw that media. today. Yes. Uh, very nice. You got lots, <laughs> lots of podcasts on there, which I is awesome. Just, I have a hard time being quiet. <laughs> <laughs> this is my social plan for the evening. After this, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> uh, hey, look, you couldn't spend it with two better people. I agree. You guys are so much fun. <laughs> And, you know, if you ever want to talk about the merits of a Ninja Creamy anytime, I'm here for you. <laughs> I highly recommend you purchase one. All right. So that no. is the plan. We will. Next book comes out. We'll have you back and we will do a commercial for the Ninja Creamy. Oh. Yes. See if we can get you as a spokesperson. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's the answer. Don't don't sell my book to a district. Sell it to Ninja Creamy. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> I'm rich. It's over. I can Here see you on QVC doing the. <laughs> I'm 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 not above anything. <laughs> You'll be the new George Foreman of the grills, but of the of the oh, ice God, cream that, makers. That is a quality product too. I must a George say. Foreman grill with a little yeah. drip tray. Yep, yep. And he named all of his kids George. That is a class act. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I feel like this podcast just lost a little bit. That's okay. <laughs> Hey, look, man, you started off with freeze pop. So, I mean, it, it, it's so kind of you to blame, blame your friend instead of to blame me. It was really my fault. Thank you. Joe knows uh, I love it. It's all good. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you again so much. Awesome. Yay. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for thank hanging you. out. Your time. All right. Always a pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye. Open up, let's take your teaching further than before. Give it a try, don't be shy, there's nothing there to lose. Worst thing that happens, kids get pain on their shoes. We're talking teacher nerds, I'm talking teacher. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Teacher Nerds Podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, Anchor, or anywhere you listen. When you subscribe, be sure to give us a review and tell a friend. Visit us at teachernerds.com. Follow us on Twitter at teachernerds, on Instagram at teachernerdspodcast, or email us teachernerds at gmail.com. And remember, we're nerds with a Z. Most importantly, thank you for listening and becoming one of the teacher nerds.